Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. I am happy that you found me, but more importantly, I am thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter, Jesus, to transform. So hopefully you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. This podcast, friends, has been built upon a platform of biblical truth, justice, and liberty. And my vow to you, my listeners, is to always keep it this way. And periodically, friends, we will be delving into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we prepare ourselves to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This comes from Moses' brother, Priest Aaron, in the form of a benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, friends, welcome back. Today, we're looking at end times prophecy. Now, first, when you hear prophecy and end times, people get a little rattled. But first off, you need to know I'm not an alarmist, but I am curious just as to what scripture holds for us concerning this subject. So our journey starts with Jesus's teaching on the Mount of Olives. You may also have heard this teaching called the Olivet Discourse. Now, I'm asking that you keep an open mind as we journey through this material together. You know, when we're busy, we tend to conform to the many paths of the secular world, placing our relationship with Jesus Christ last. I get it. I've been there. But I ask that you imagine if today was your last day upon earth, how would you invest it? Would you make sure that your loved ones are all saved? Would you call them and offer encouragement? You see, friends, we don't know the measure of our days. Some people think that I'm a bit much or I'm over the top for God, and yet out of love and with much respect, I disagree. People are entitled to their opinion and that doesn't impact me, nor is it any of my business. But once truth is discovered, going back to work that does not help to advance the kingdom of God and eternity for people doesn't seem meaningful or impactful. You see, I've held the six-figure job. I'm more fulfilled now, though, than ever, and I'm not making six figures, but I know that in God's economy, all things work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. Now, with this all said, let's get right into our teachings for today. We learn in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. 
But he told them, Do you see all these buildings? I assure you, they will be so completely demolished that not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and asked, When will all this take place? And will there be any sign ahead of time to signal your return and the end of the world? The disciples were perceptive, asking Jesus for a sign of his coming and of the end of the age. It's important to note that Jesus didn't want anyone to mislead his believers. The fact is, whenever we look for signs, we become very susceptible to being deceived. Our series that just wrapped up on false prophets solidified this fact over and over. You see, false prophets are numerous, and they have many counterfeit signs to offer the world of spiritual power and authority. The only way to protect ourselves, our families, and our communities is to focus upon what the Word of God says succinctly and not to keep our and excuse me, to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Our best option is to not look for signs and not look to people. The temple grounds must have been beautiful. Herod had helped the Jews remodel it, and the ancient temple complex was considered one of the many wonders of the world. Next to the inner temple where the sacred objects were kept and the sacrifices were offered, there was a large area called the Court of the Gentiles. This is where the money changers and the merchants had their booths set up. And outside of these courts were long porches. Solomon's porch was 1,562 feet long, and that was the royal portico. And it was decorated with 160 columns that stretched over a massive 921 foot length. And the disciples had been gazing at this glorious and massive structure, and they found Jesus's words difficult to believe. But we learn that the temple was indeed destroyed only 40 years later when the Romans completely demolished it in Jerusalem in AD 70. And although Jesus is God. His prophecy was always 100% accurate, which is the measure of any great prophet of God. A score of an 80 or a 90 or even 90%, 95% predictive success is still considered a false prophet. The baseline of God's prophets is 100% accuracy. And Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the very place where the prophet Zechariah had predicted that the Messiah would stand when he would come into power and what they could expect then. Jesus answered with events that would take place before the end of the age. He pointed out that the disciples should be less concerned with knowing the exact date and more concerned with being prepared, living God's way consistently so that no matter when Jesus came, they would be ready. And isn't that great advice for us in today's age as well? Be prepared, be ready. 
The first order of business for Jesus was when he called out the hypocrites, the spiritually blind, the fools, the whitewashed tombs and snakes, son of vipers. We'll be exploring these woes in detail in just a moment. But Jesus teaches on seven ways to guarantee God's anger. Did you catch that? Seven ways to guarantee God's anger. Jesus must have taught on these seven woes with a mixed tone of both judgment and sorrow. His statements were strong and yet unforgettable. These statements still apply to us today anytime we become obsessed with perfecting the practice of religion that we forget about God's concern for mercy, real love, and forgiveness. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 through 15, Jesus teaches how terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you won't let others enter the kingdom of heaven and you won't go in yourselves. Yes, how terrible it will be. For you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, for you cross land and sea to make one convert and then you turn him into twice the son of hell as you yourselves are. Being a religious leader in Jerusalem was very different from being a pastor in a secular society today. Israel's history culture, and daily life centered around its relationship with God. The religious leaders were the best known, most powerful, and most respected of all leaders. Jesus made these stinging accusations because the leaders' hunger for more power, more money, and status had made them lose sight of God, and their blindness was spreading to the whole nation. You see, the Pharisees' converts were attracted to Phariseeism, not to God, by getting caught up in the details of their additional laws and regulations they completely missed God, to whom the laws pointed. A religion of deeds puts pressure on people to surpass others in what they know and do. Thus, a hypocritical teacher was likely to have students who were even more hypocritical. Our job is to make sure we too are not creating Pharisees by emphasizing outward obedience at the expense of inner renewal. So Matthew 23 gives us the seven woes throughout the chapter. Now a woe is defined as a denunciation or public condemnation. And in Matthew chapter 23 verse 14, woe number one is is not letting others enter the kingdom of heaven and not entering yourselves. Verse 15, woe number two, Jesus teaches about converting people away from God to be like themselves. And then we learn in verses 16 through 22, woe number three, blindly leading God's people to follow man-made traditions instead of God's word. Verses 23 and 24, woe number four, involving yourself in every last detail and ignoring what is really important, justice, mercy, and faith. 
while verses 25 and 26 take us to woe number five, keeping up appearances while your private world is corrupt. Verses 27 and 28, woe number six, acting spiritual to cover up sin. And verses 29 through 36 give us the last woe, woe number seven, pretending to have learned from past history, but your present behavior shows you have learned nothing. Now we're returning to Jesus's teaching on the Mount of Olives. We look at Matthew chapter 24, verses four through six. Jesus says to us, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah they will lead many astray and wars will break out near and far but don't panic yes these things must come but the end won't follow immediately they will call themselves Christ not Jesus and remember Christ means Messiah This is an example of false Christs, also known as Antichrist. Verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, The nations and kingdoms will proclaim war against each other, and there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. And we've seen many earthquakes and other weather-related calamities as of late, and this is the start of birth pangs. And what about tribulation? Well, verse 9, Jesus said, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because of your allegiance to me. Most likely, you're not facing extreme persecution for your faith if you're living in America and listening to this podcast. But Christians in other parts of the world are being persecuted for their faith. And when we hear about them, we must remember that these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to pray for them, asking God what we can do to help them in their troubles. When one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. Yet when all the parts join together to ease the suffering, the whole body benefits. And in verses 10 through 13, Jesus talks about something that I've yet to address, and that is false believers. Yes, there will be false believers in the end days. Listen to what Jesus teaches. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will lead many people astray. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But those who endure to the end will be saved. We must remain vigilant, guarding our love for God in the presence of others who allow themselves to grow cold towards Him. We must not focus on ourselves, forgetting about the needs of others. Jesus warned that his followers would be severely persecuted by those who hate what he stood for. And in the midst of persecution, we can have hope knowing that our salvation is secure. During these times of trial and suffering, the world will sift out who is a true Christian from an unbeliever. There will come a point in time when we're pressured to give up on our faith, but friends, toe the line and don't you dare do it. Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 through 14 all together takes us through what will affect us up until the time of the rapture. 
Verse 14, Jesus further instructs, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then finally, the end will come. Jesus said before he returns, the good news about the kingdom, the message of salvation would be preached throughout the world. This was the disciples' mission, and it's ours today as well. Jesus talked about the end times and final judgment to show his followers the urgency of spreading the good news of salvation to everyone. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and three. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying all is well, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a woman's birth pains begin when her child is about to be born and there will be no escape. Efforts to determine the date of Christ's return are plain foolish. Don't be misled by anyone who claims to know. We're told here that no one knows and that even believers will be surprised. The Lord will return suddenly and unexpectedly warns the Apostle Paul. So we are to be ready because no one knows when Jesus will come back to earth. So we should be ready at all times. The day of the Lord is a future time when God will intervene directly and dramatically in world affairs. Predicted and discussed often in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord will include both punishment and blessing. Jesus will judge sin and set up his eternal kingdom. And John chapter 16, verse 1, John says, I've told you these things so that you won't fall away. You see, Jesus warned the disciples about further persecution. He told them where, when, and why he was going and assured them that they would not be left alone but that the Spirit would come upon them. Jesus knew what lay ahead, and he did not want the disciples' faith shaken or destroyed. God wants you and me to know that we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, teach us truth, and help us in all of our ways. So before the cessation of the world, we will see many antichrists which I've heard other preachers claim are in our world today. The Vines Expository Dictionary defines the Antichrist as Antichristos, which can mean either against Christ or instead of Christ, or perhaps combining the two. One who assumes the guise of Christ opposes Christ. And John's epistle teaches us of the many antichrists who are forerunners of the antichrist himself. The true antichrist will deny the existence of the one true God. Again, the distinction is that the many currently in our world today and coming in will be against Christ or instead of Christ. But the one true antichrist will flat out deny the existence of the one true God. 
So in addition to Antichrist, the nations will hear of rumors of wars and experience wars. Worldwide devastation will occur along with tribulation for believers false believers will emerge. Again, these are people who probably were in church sitting in the pews for several years, yet they had no commitment nor connection with Jesus. And we finally discussed Jesus's teaching about the good news being preached throughout the world. We have seen just how the gospel is spreading to more and more people worldwide as our technologies continue to stretch and expand. And as I stated in my opening, this podcast is one of truth. Now, being vulnerable here, it's important to talk about deception and just how easy it is to fall into this trap. Personally, I had been fooled into believing and following the New Age movement for a few years. Prior to knowing the truth, which is synonymous with Jesus, one of the things a false teacher told me was that we were going to have wars. Specifically, they said on American soil and within a five-year time frame. I repeated this in my home only, not outside of my home, but not understanding that death and life are in the power of the tongue, nor did I know that rumors of wars were to be disseminated by false teachers. Now I see exactly how I was played. And guess what? This has not happened on American soil. Yes, there is a war going on between Ukraine and Russia, but again, that's not on American soil. So what I was told was false. And this false prophet also said that all Christians are doing is praying for Jesus to come back. At the time, I found that to be disturbing too because I was in the secular world and things were going great. But now I too agree with what John said in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So shame on me for being gullible, but shame on the false teacher, the false prophet, the Antichrist for using people, chewing them up, spitting them out into the world and considering many people to be less than them and people that can be tricked and people that they see as weak because maybe they're perhaps kind and they see kindness as a weakness, but (laughs) they definitely pegged me as the wrong person trying to put a square peg in a round hole because my kindness does not translate to weakness. You see, I'm a strong woman and I'm a woman of faith and I believe in Jesus Christ. So with that said, Jesus talks about deception and people's lack of truth. These are all the signs that Jesus said would be increasing in end times. In case you're wondering, I harbor no ill will towards this person. I forgive them because I want God's forgiveness in my life. And Jesus first forgave me. And the book of Matthew tells us if we want to be forgiven, we too must forgive as many times as it takes and as many offenses that come our way. 
Now, the Apostle John penned the book of Revelation under direct inspiration from God. And one evening, my husband and myself attended a dinner party and the writings of John came up. And a man who we would both consider as highly intelligent, he does very well by worldly standards, piped up just stating that John was on an acid trip (laughs) when he wrote the gospel. At this time, I was saddened to hear that, but I didn't argue. I chose to listen and clarify when I could, but my belief as an ambassador for Christ is to present the best possible case for Christ and then allow the Holy Spirit to pull through the seed that I've helped to plant. And the reason I share this story is that acid trips are increasing within our society. In some places, they're even legal. And it seems, in my opinion only, that there's some greater experiment occurring now. Now, this is becoming more and more prevalent among non-believers. And I thought this had merely just been a figure of speech. But sometimes I think people say things that possibly they're inspired to say. So now I'm not so sure. Well, while the book of Revelation is both a book of hope and of warnings, believers are promised a blessing for reading it. So friends, I hope you're going to stay tuned in along with me and come back tomorrow as we look into the similarities between the book of Revelation chapter 6 and that of Matthew chapter 24. And friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, Jesus made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in God's son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ to never sin to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. And our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. Now, we can never repay this extraordinary gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. And today, friends, if this is you, I encourage you to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me, Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin at the cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. Now, let me be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. 
And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not involved in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your kiddos for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, and what love and action looks like, biblical trust, and so many more topics. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this episode, make sure to like and subscribe so you'll get the latest releases as they become available. Much of today's podcast reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or compelling, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Dorrance.com. But importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I will find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of the word of God and it's waiting for you to read it. Until next time, remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.